Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number sixty-six. The Mario. So this this the guest. Mario. This is per, this is perfect timing. Uh, I'm your host Jeff Humphreys. Um, today's guest. This one is is this this show is totally dedicated to DJ Rice. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, name and who you are and where we go. Uh, my name is Ryan Pinder. I'm a Calgary born and bred loudmouth that loves talking about sports and debating people and generally getting under people's skin. I suppose. Uh, I, I assumed you were born and raised, but I didn't actually yeah. really think about it. My dad was an investment banker in Toronto. My mom was a school teacher. Um, my dad was from Saskatoon, youngest of four boys, and he moved out to Calgary with uh, my mom when she was pregnant. So <laughs> I was born here. And crazy, uh, yeah. There's, there's. Are you born and raised? Yeah. There's a few of us. Well, there's not too many, but no, there's a which, few of us. This the is, city would have been less than a half million probably in 1981 when I was spawned or whatever. You're 81? Yeah. So I'm 77. There you go. So this will get interesting just because I, <laughs> I had no idea. Because honestly, like, obviously I know the name and what you've been up to for a long time. Um, but I've never really, like, looked into your past or anything. So this is going to be a cool one for me to just actually just ride along. And and you play uh, Pick Up Hockey with my cousins. Yeah. So you, you've got a bit of the, yeah. the Pinder background. Yeah, yeah, totally. Some of it at yeah, least. yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm excited. This is pretty cool that you're doing this, and yeah. our city's a great one that has lots of amazing people. And I think the cool part is there's a lot of overlap and interweave. You mentioned DJ Rice, like I just feel like it's not so big that people don't know each other. It feels like everyone knows each other mm-hmm. sometimes when you're here. Do you do you think that's a? Do you think um, everybody in Calgary feels the same way, or do you think no, it's like? I think it's just like certain certain communities. Like if, yeah. if you went to a certain high school and grew up in a certain neighborhood and hang out at certain places like gosh I feel like you know everyone but like yeah. i can easily go to a different portion of the city and be like i don't Nothing. know where i am yeah but i feel like that's probably most places on i just feel like the whatever cross-section of of the city you're in whether that's okay like i'm in design and art okay i know that community or like yeah. i'm i'm in the media and sports but mm-hmm. also grew up here so i feel like i know that and yeah. i got a lot of buddies in oil and gas those guys all know each other like Everyone's got their own little space they know. I don't feel like it's ever too big or overwhelming. But then yeah. I also didn't come from like a village of a hamlet of 50 people in Saskatchewan. <laughs> yes, I'm, sure. I'm sure it could be busy. <laughs> I remember like Travis Hamannick would bring in kids from, because uh, I think he's got First Nations background. He'd bring in kids from way up in Nunavut and they'd take like five flights to get to Calgary. And Hamannick was, ended up being a polarizing player here. But like you always loved the charitable work you did yep. and like you'd hear the stories about some family from a tiny little village that took like a float plane to a small market to like a, a, a prop plane to PG and then flew to Vancouver and then Vancouver to Calgary. And you're, you're like, Whoa, man, like what, what are the, these people, their minds must be blown and, and people that would be familiar with the charity be like, yeah, like they just sit and watch like sea trains and cars and office towers and just like, Blown <laughs> like, away. This is very different than where I'm from. So I'm sure Calgary can feel big, but yeah, I don't know. Not I think, when you're from here, right? Yeah, I think, and that's what I'd, I don't. I don't know. Is it being born and raised here? Do those like that one degree of separation? You and I are one degree. Yeah, it's Tate, totally. it's Tate to you. Yeah, and I don't know if it's being born and raised in Calgary that creates more chances for that one degree, or if it's just to your point, you stick to your kind of circles. Yeah, and things get connected. Well, I mean, geez, if knowing people is always a great thing, relationships are amazing because we can share knowledge and you know, a person that can help me. And yep. it's, it, it's not a Calgary thing. It's everywhere. Like if you, if you've got a lot of pals and your pals have a lot of pals, it feels like you're connected to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. Um, so what the gist of the show is I like the guests to kind of tell their story. Okay. Yours would be really cool to, 
to hear your Calgary journey and then how you became the loudmouth at who you are today. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so kind of go back as far as you want to go. You know, where you grew up, how you grew yeah. up, inspiration, like all of it. So just go back. So, uh, like I said, dad from Saskatoon, mom from Toronto, uh, just pretty normal kid with really thick weird hair uh fucking in elementary school did you always have thick like big hair yeah and it was just like you know mom would always keep it at this weird short length where it was just like you couldn't do anything it just yeah. kind of looked like a pelt yeah like, uh, something <laughs> would be sold by the hudson bay company in the 1850s or yeah. something something to help settle our country like mm-hmm. oh this is muskrat this is good stuff uh but I think in junior high school, I finally let it go, like really let it go. Mm. And I actually shaved it really tight as well. And I actually was like, okay, this middle stuff is garbage. Like I, it's a buzz cut yep. or like let it rock. So I would do one haircut a year. Um, like I, I, my grade 12 ID in high school was famously me with an NWO t-shirt and this massive like mushroom afro. <laughs> oh, hey. And then I went from that, like, well, I'd go get my, shave my head the next after that photo no way a year later i'd have it back so (laughs) there's a lot of messy middle in there but it was never boring uh yeah so i guess what would my story be i i always really had a fascination with with sports because my family was always involved with sports like tate my cousin was a was a great goalie not like epic but like he he, he had tryouts in the whl and was playing junior a and it's like wow that's my older cousin and my uncle Jerry played for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I got to go down to the Dome as a kid with uh, my dad and Jerry, his brother. They, um, they'd have season tickets, so I, you know, I get dragged into a locker room. I actually met Mario Lemieux, believe it or not, episode Come 66. Come on, dude. I'm serious. So this would have been like <laughs> early 90s Flames, where they're still really good, if not yep. late 80s. Um, like really good. And I remember the, the Flames had thumped the Penguins. I would have been somewhere between six and eight years old, six and nine, around the age of my kids right now, actually. Yep. And I remember just like, first off, it's like, these are giant athletes. And I like, I am completely like, mm-hmm. don't say it, am word. Mm-hmm. Uncle Jerry knows everyone. And then you walk in this locker room and it's just like dudes with like showering and towels and like just what the hell are we doing here? Like, this is the, such a foreign environment. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And my uncle, you know, brought over Mario and shook hands or, you know, was that's Mario there. I can't remember. Cause it would it'd be like 10 of these things yep. when I was a kid that my uncle would drag me down to, but I do remember being in the penguins room and it being like somber and like no one was saying peep cause they just got pumped by the flames. Um, that's been a lot of that since Sid came in <laughs> and also when Mario was his prime. So that was odd, but yeah, episode 66. So, Mario ties in there and I got to be around the sport just a bit because of my uncle Jerry. Like when Bobby Hall would come to town, he'd come over and have uh, wine at uncle Jerry's house. <laughs> he knew that I would really be into that. So he'd invite me over to say, Hey, I know you're, you know, Bobby's in town cause Brett's here with the blues. You want to come over and say hi? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, were you playing? Did you grow up playing? Yeah, I grew up playing. I wasn't special. I really loved it. What, like, what? Hockey's such a great sport. I was at uh, Elbow Park and then okay. Glen Lake when it was, I was older and yep. then, I was tiny and not that good and very afraid for my life at times. My nickname was Midget in grade 10, and I'm like <laughs> 6'1", 195. It was a cruel joke that, that uh, the puberty gods played on me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 at Midget, I was like, this is enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be any good, yep. and I am afraid of getting hurt in mm-hmm. this corner that mm-hmm. I'm, li- I'm giving up 100 pounds and six inches to, right? Mm-hmm. Almost a foot, I suppose. Um, but the sport, like, the sport, there was something to it. Like you, oh, it's, I, I just think it's the best. Like outdoor shinny, and I, I just hockey's such an elegant blend of like skill and power, right? Like skating itself is such an amazing, you know, like just as a 
base movement yep. is really hard. Like you get, I love bringing people from other continents or that aren't from hockey cultures. Like my wife's Australian. Whenever we get her family or cousins, it's like always got to go to a game, mm-hmm. and then like get them on skates mm-hmm. too. Their appreciation for the athlete is like whoa, because everyone can run. Yeah, like very few people skate comfortably outside of this this country and a few others. Right? Did, did you see that? Um, and I, dude, I never I never remember anything that I see online, but that uh, JJ Watt thing talking yeah. about. We had him on the show. I wasn't on it at that point, but the morning show that I was a part of for, I want to say eight of the last nine years or you know, seven and a half of the last nine years. Uh, we had our producer reach out to JJ Watt. He was tweeting about hockey one morning mm. and he just is like, Hey, gets in the mentions. Like we're doing a sports show in Canada right now. Like, would you come on? And I wasn't on the show at the time, but paraphrasing it was like, sure, but like, let's not talk any football. And they're like, yeah, good. And so JJ <laughs> called in and he was at Wisconsin, which is a great mm-hmm. uh, hockey program. Yep. Like Commodore went there mm-hmm. amongst some other really good players. They got a huge rink, I think like 14, 15,000, one of the biggest rinks of college hockey, if not the biggest. And so he was like in the fabric of that hockey program. I just wish he played. Imagine. <laughs> oh man, you think Obi's big? Like, <laughs> Obi ever forgets as a linebacker. He's like six three, six four, two forty. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Killer. that's that's insane. <laughs> and JJ Watt, yeah, way bigger. It's, yeah, yeah. So anyway, like I, I love the sport. Uh, I, I always like my first spreadsheets a hockey pool. I really love numbers. I got into stats. I really like that. And I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I just love no it. Way. And like I early, early? What, yeah. Like probably if you asked me in grade 10 what I wanted to do, I would have said that for sure. And, where, and was that just um, based on the passion for hockey? Was it Peter Marr? Was it like... Was it- I think it was all the above. Like my family was very much into sports. It was the dialogue of what family get-togethers were about. We always really? talked about sports and... Cousins, like everyone was everyone, just, everyone was playing. So it's just like yeah, this circle. Like what I wanted to do, like I'd lay out that Wednesday morning paper, Tuesday, whatever it was with the huge league printout and like pour over like alphabetical, like there's Anaheim. Okay. We've got Timo up here, probably pre-Timo. And then like at the end is the W is like mm-hmm. Winnipeg if they mm-hmm. haven't moved to, to uh, Phoenix yet. Like it, that, that was the one day a week they printed out. I was like, yes, this is the day. Hmm. I was jacked for that. And you'd update your hockey pool because then it wasn't a fantasy. You wouldn't change your roster. You'd pick and keep for the yeah. whole year. Right. So I, I always loved that. And then. And I didn't know how to get into it in the sense that, like, I had just okay grades in high school. Like, I, I think I was a pretty sharp kid, but really immature and physically and probably maturity-wise, like, uh, mentally, I suppose. Like, I just paying attention. Yep. Like, I, I found I could be a class clown and get lots of laughs, and that changed a lot of things. <laughs> what high school are you at? Uh, I graduated at Western, but I was at a private school for five years before that. I, I have a significant distaste for authority that really mm. grew mm. nicely over those five years and finally so, and my hands up. I was like, I'm going to Western all my pals are there it's the coolest school ever well. and I'm sick of this shit I ought to go to Western and all my best pals are there so it was it was nice it was, it was like my social life in school finally yep. those Venn diagrams overlapped the circles overlapped on the Venn diagram it was good Western Western is like a melting pot so I went to Mary's mm-hmm. and what, down the street yeah so Western was a cool spot for hockey specifically because yeah. there was some there was like heavy Royals. Yeah. But there's always some buffs that were there. Yeah. Like it was just this interesting, lots Western of cowboy is, boots. Yeah, people from all over the city, right? Because it would have all the unique programs. Like I think you could learn a bunch of different languages. You could mm-hmm. take obviously first year university courses. There was like car auto work courses. So you yeah. could draw from all over the city because of just the unique um, courses. Western's phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, I think it's like, what an amazing school to have. Prime time. It just happens to be right on 17th Dude, Avenue. like in the middle of Calgary. it all. We would race out of uh, 
Mrs. Rule's calculus class, which was prime location to get for the to the two for one pizza. It was at that northwest uh, mm-hmm. exit of the school. So if you really had your bag packed <laughs> and on your shoulder, buzzer, bolt, cross 17th, down the alley, first in line. <laughs> 252 uh, <laughs> slices. Oh, what took you guys so long? <laughs> it was the best. And then, like, all my friends were scattered around up on the hill in Mount Royal or down in Rideau, Elbow Park. And then you also had some kids that came from like less wealthy backgrounds, but were awesome, hilarious, amazing dudes. Yeah. And house parties there were always different. So, you had this really nice blend at Western of all kinds of different people. And yeah, really good athletes, really yep. good students, people that are big in the arts, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It was a, it was a, it's a cool school. And, and, Mary's being so close, you're just kind of, mm-hmm. you could kind of. Well, Mary's a tiny compared to it too, right? Yeah. So yeah. you just, you hear things, you, mm-hmm. and I know all the hockey dudes over there, and, 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 cool. and, so yeah, it's all connected. Um, so grade 10, you could actually think about being a broadcaster? Totally. Yeah. Because I knew I was going to be an athlete, which, you know, everyone wants to as a kid, but yeah. you, you also realize that it's like, okay, there's only so many people that get to do that. And it's clear pretty early who's very elite and who isn't. And yeah. simple math, like 1% of 1% of 1%, like, no, nah, nah, that ain't me. But I, I always love talking about sports. And so I went to the U of L to do a management degree. It's kind of like, eh, I need to do something. I, I don't have the marks or the resume to go to a Ryerson or Humber and St. MR, I guess it would have been MRC back then. Yeah. Good programs, but it, it wasn't something that was on my radar because I wanted Broadcasting? To, yeah, to go away for school. And I, I was like, okay, I, I'm not ready for that yet. I took a year off. Traveled a bunch, worked construction, did did the hard labor to remind myself why I had to work hard at university. I thought that was, in hindsight, savvy, whether my parents tricked me into doing it or I, mm-hmm. or I did that on my own decision-making. Big boy decision. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, go go move a shovel at minus 20 in November for, you know, 10 hours. Yeah. That, that'll remind you that going to the library ain't so bad when you got an exam coming up. Yeah. And so I did that the year before university. And while, while I was at the U of L, I spent, like, a ton of time at the radio station. I ended up sitting on the board. Uh, I would do one music show a week, a two-hour sports talk show. And by the end of my four years at UofL, I was also calling uh, the Pronghorns games on the radio from Nicholas Sharon Arena, the, so you went the like, men's hockey team. So you went start, all in on it. Yeah. Like, you're like, and it was like, once I'd figured out, okay, like I, I, the, I can handle the, the academics here. It yep. was like, well, I got lots of free time. So I loaded all my classes up Monday to Thursday. I'd leave Fridays empty. And then I'd have a big Thursday night with my pals. I'd wake up Friday and I'd prep for my sports talk show, which would go like one to three-ish or something like that. And so that was my ritual for basically years two through four. Wow. And by the end of it, um, you know, I had a music show as well, which was fun. But <laughs> We're going into that PS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're coming back fun. to that. Yeah. Um, but, and it was on the, uh, sitting on the board as we went through like an FM license and you had to deal with like fundraising and like all kinds of crap like that. By the end of it, I was like, shit, like I got enough experience here where I can easily apply to all these programs that I didn't know how to get into. And like, it's not going to be a problem. And in the meantime, I was coming back in the summer and working at a channel to do lights and mics, um, camera work, color controls on, uh, the big breakfast or breakfast television. Yep. Um, so it would have been like, Dave Kelly and Jeb Fink at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it was Tara McCool, and then it was Tara Sloan. Like you had that nice run of a, a yep. decade there, uh, probably less than that actually when they all overlap. But I would go back every summer and work there and How'd get, you get some it? experience. Oh, I think connected somehow. Yeah, I think it was like one of my sister's friend's neighbors was uh, the last name Craig, and it was Craig Broadcasting that owned a channel. They eventually sold to Rogers, um, but somehow I got my foot in the door, which yep. you know. 
again, if you're in Calgary, if you know some people, it feels like you can always at least sit down with someone. I can make someone laugh. Okay, well, I'll probably smile and I'll work hard and we'll make it work. Yep. Um, and so uh, by the end of it all, I have, I have three or four years of like really good media experience and sports broadcasting experience and some familiarity with TV and radio. And it was like, well, yeah, it's a no-brainer. So after my, my university degree, which... You know, I didn't love the, the work necessarily, but it's like you're always going to work for a business or have yep. your own business. Yep. So it doesn't hurt to understand business management, to be able to do your own taxes or, you know, understand investing. Those are all like good life skills. Now. Yep. So whatever. Didn't love it. But I, my passion was emptied out in that radio station when I, while I was there. So go back there. We're not going. Yeah. We're not leaving okay. yet. Music. <laughs> so <laughs> it'd be like down tempo electronica, hip hop, a little bit of funk. Um, yeah, so I'd be playing like Thievery Corporation, De La Soul, awesome. and like weird, like synthy. What year is this ish? Uh, 99 to or, or, 2000 to 2004. Okay. So that was like just, yeah, either chill tunes yep. or like funky tunes. And what time something. of day is this? This would have been like midday, but it would bounce around. My sports show was always Friday. The other show, I'd just fill holes, okay. whatever. And and the, the music thing was just, um, uh, like a random passion interest or where is it? Well, I, I was definitely into music and certainly like the more off the beaten path, the better. Yep. Like if it was popular or top 40, I almost hated it mm-hmm. to, just out of spite. Because, yeah. You're too popular. Yep. I need to like work harder and find more underground cool stuff. And the, the library at the radio station was like, Oh my God, look at all this stuff. Cool. And then we had a really good music director. Um, and you'd get, it's like, I read about all the stuff coming in every month. Oh, I got I to gotta hear this. I got to play one of these songs. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, music was here. Sports was the real passion, but I definitely got into some really cool music yep. at university that I wouldn't have otherwise. And you're in Lethbridge. Like, culturally, this isn't a mecca. This isn't a place you go if, to, to find, you know, the next breakthrough Canadian mm. band. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was a way to, I guess, supplement what I thought was maybe just... Going from Calgary to Lethbridge, you're not going to find as much interesting music, arts, culture. What do you, where, um, this is going to be, when you were in Calgary, yeah. 18, yeah. where were you going out to like find your... Well, as, the moment I got fake ID... Um, Two piece or one piece? <laughs> one. <laughs> as long as you know the birthday I and <laughs> which uh, horoscope sign, you're usually pretty good. Picture was good too. Um, my name was Joseph. <laughs> Joseph Gilad. I won't say the last <laughs> name. My buddy's going to get totally <laughs> busted. Uh, but... Uh, the moment I, that we, I got it, it was like grade 12, probably halfway through the year. It was about the same time that Pete and Mike, small town DJs, got their Thursday night weekly started, which was high karate at the night gallery. So that was like, mm, wow. nothing better than that. So mm-hmm. Thursday yeah. would be meet up with buddies, go to the night gallery and like dance. And it was like those stairs, mm-hmm. low lit. Mm-hmm. I remember the bartender, she was incredible. She could take like five orders, five different bills, bring everyone perfect change and all the drinks. You're like, this is everything about this place. Is so magical. It's mm-hmm. like a minor that's almost of age that is pretending to be of age. And the DJs were always great. And those yep. guys, it's just, I, I love them because they're still doing it and yep. still touring a ton. Mm-hmm. Like they opened for Mark Revelay at the, that huge festival during Stampede this summer. And like I, I, I see Pete all the time. He's an absolute gem. I skate with him once a week, actually, oh, cool. in the small world. But uh, like you just be, it was great music. It was funky. It was like move your butt and dance. Yeah. Like it was always good, good people there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was like, yeah, that which, was where I'd go. Which was um, like right when they're building that. That was kind of one of the, the one of the nights in the city. So to yeah. get your like musical knowledge in that yeah. environment, mm-hmm. move to LA. Like it's yeah, left over. Yeah. <laughs> There's a missing. No, totally. I'm like there isn't a night here, but you know you could. Yeah, there was there was like a Thursday at the the campus bar that was good yeah. for a while there, and yeah, like. But I, you knew what was cool. You know what you got introduced with cool music like 
could be, mm-hmm. which is kind of yeah. Some people like they don't get, they don't get, they don't get to see that path, right? It's no, just like, and so it was like I would always find try to find what they were playing and go like explore that mm-hmm. corner of the library at the yep. radio station at university. Cool. So I'm done university. I know I want to be a sports broadcaster, and now I have like okay, well, there's no excuses now. You've got all the experience. You can get into any program you want to. And so I graduate in the spring of '04. And I've lined up an internship at the score for the summer, which back then was the independent TV sports station based mm-hmm. out of, uh, it was like the big, I think it was the, the Sandman Hotel on King Street in Toronto. It's an unpaid internship, but my mom's sister lives in Toronto and she's got a basement and her daughter's out at McGill. So I'm going to stay in their basement. Um, and then I, that was only 20 hours. They wouldn't do more because it's like free labor. and. Yep. It's probably a little, uh, internships are definitely an interesting conversation. Uh, so I, I got a paying job for the other 20, 25 hours a week at uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. So I, cool. I got that job, which was great. I would watch grown men cry when they came in to see the Stanley Cup five days a week, four days a week. And then that was at, uh, what, Front Street and uh, Queen? Yeah, no, not Queen. Front Street and uh, Young. Thank Young, you. yeah. And then it would be like down King West. It was... Let you know, go in and Tim McAuliffe's there, Sid Sixero's there, Adnan Verk, who's now MLB Network and has been ESPN, he's there, Greg Sansoni, who runs a lot of high up stuff at Sportsnet Television, Martin Geyer, who's still on the air, Cabby was kind of in and out just after finishing his internship, um, on and on and on. Like it was, it was this incredible, like melting pot of like mm-hmm. great talent but not like the suits they were the cool young sports station sportsnet mm-hmm. was doing that we're not going to do our ties <laughs> no, up look how I casual we that. are that phase because tsn was good yeah. sportsnet was trying to find middle ground and the score was clearly the cool and up-and-coming broadcasters yep. and i was an intern and it, it was not uh, like it was neat to, to be beside all those people and, and meet those people and have some of those relationships you learn um, anything? Are you uh, were you smart enough to sit back and listen and learn? That's one of my challenges in life. I'm not really. I, I like talking, <laughs> but yes, uh, a gift a to talker. Bit. <laughs> uh, the the challenge with the work was my job was like manually inputting the 2004 2005 NHL schedule, which never was going to happen because it was the lockout. So oh, I was there shit. as the Flames lost to the Lightning in the final. Oh. I was in Calgary for the Detroit series. So for round one's Vancouver. I'm at university. Round two's Detroit. I get to the three games in Calgary. Then I'm off to Toronto. And so it's San Jose and Tampa rounds three and round four for that Flames run in 04. And my job was to manually input into a spreadsheet day by day the NHL schedule that I know is going to get torn up because it's a lockout. Crazy. It was like, uh, <laughs> Crazy. there's so many cool things I could do. <laughs> And I wasn't quite confident enough or assertive enough to be like, hey, can we go do something fun like this? I was kind of always waiting to, for like someone to be like, hey, Ryan's this or that. Let's yeah. do something with him. And I, like in hindsight, I would have encouraged myself to like, you know, tell people what you want to do. Like share yeah. some of your dreams. Get in front of a camera. And yeah. Don't piss down your leg. Do you Although think, you probably have to do that a bit before you don't, I guess. Do you think that if social was a bigger thing back then that maybe would you have had the nuts to actually like, build yourself into a personality on your own social maybe. and maybe they'd be like, Hey, this guy's got something. I always felt like, like I've got a great social following, but it was because I had an area of expertise. And at that age, it's hard to have that at all. Yeah. Like I was a play by play guy for a team. So I did that for seven years. We're almost there. But that was like where my following would be. It was like, I'm with the team. I have insights on the team. You with the Prongrunners for seven years? No. So, after, so I, I go to <laughs> Toronto for that year. Sorry. No, before I go there, okay, I, yeah. I want to, I had this thought. Um, did you kind of hack the system? 
you know, instead instead of going to like a broadcast program and like you know getting Not that chip, really, it took longer. But <laughs> it probably was more expensive. So no, I don't know. I hacked it, but but you got to, you got to I a got place to where I need to be without I, a formal like broadcasting degree. So when I go to so I, I go to Toronto after graduating for the summer, I do that, um, and then I take a little more time off. And, it, and the next January, so I, I guess it's probably nine months after I've graduated university, I enter at Humber College for mm. post graduate certificate in radio broadcasting. So this is just like round off some of the edges, get a little more formal training, learn how to edit audio yep. and on computers and just a little more training. Cause mm. I knew I could, I was comfortable on mic and could get my way around a studio, but if I had to make a commercial, okay, well now I'm going to do that. And yep. just so, so a little more of that program. I got hired six months out of it to Fort St. John BC. So I wasn't there long, but basically I had a nice, yeah. Out, of the, out of that year and a half, I had a lot of time in Toronto, which is really cool because that's the mecca for sports broadcasting in the country. It's the only place they do national right. shows out of. You've got, at that point, Indy and three of the four major sports. Mm -hmm. All you're missing is a NFL team. Yep. And it's all the networks are based there. So even if you're you know trying to meet people that aren't in sports broadcasting, well, you know, it's CTV, uh, CBC, Global, like everyone's in Toronto. It, yep. it is the media capital of the country so to be there for a year and a half is really cool and you know a lot of people that were graduates from my program or that would speak to us in class or that were your classmates like it's just you're there you're in the mecca right mm -hmm. there's people making millions of dollars a year talking into a microphone in toronto that's the only place in the country at that time that was happening right yeah like there's bob mccowan on afternoons and, <laughs> and you're like holy shit like the dream's real here like yeah. this is the market so that was cool. And then I get hired out of there. I'm like, I had this one project that was pissing me off. And I'm like, this is so much going to work. I don't like it. I'm just going to get a job. <laughs> and this job uh, opening came up in Fort St. John, BC, which is just across the border into the BC side of like oil and gas, Alberta. And it's oil and gas, BC. It's the peace region. And it was sports director, afternoon show host, play-by-play -play hockey. And I'm like, this is perfect. What league? There was two. There was a junior B team in the NWJHL, and then there was a senior AAA hockey team. Hmm. So they would, the, the years I was there, they were AAA. That's the distinction of highest level. So if you could win all of BC, you'd qualify to the BC Alberta playoff, and the winner of that would go to the Allen Cup. Okay. And so for 13 months minus a day, I lived in Fort St. John, BC, and worked for Moose FM. Did you graduate school? Or did you just like, no, I was just gone. That project, you well, just bounced? Yes. I was like, I, I'm not doing this fucking project. And I got the job offer, and my teacher's like, well, you got to take this. It's great. I'm like, yep. <laughs> See ya. Gone. Best of luck. And that was kind of the point of the program. Like, you already had a degree. Right. They didn't teach you how to write. Mm. You didn't have to go through the, no, you're a student now. You got to work hard. Like, you have a degree. Let's get you to figure out some of the X's and O's of how all these things work in yep. radio, and then let's get you hired somewhere. Mm. So, you know, I went from... Uh, living in a basement of a house full of students in the student annex just off Bathurst and Bloor, where within five blocks there's probably like 20, 25 countries represented by like restaurants. Bathurst and Bloor. Yeah. Like How close is that? How close was that to the Madison Ave pub? Not super. Was that? I mean, I feel like the Maddie was probably 10 to 20 blocks. Okay. Um, would it be toward east maybe? Yeah. But that's where I was when, I, when the Flames lost game seven to no Tampa. Way. I lived on Bloor. I lived on this. On Madison Ave, like yeah, four blocks away from the pub. Yeah. What was your closest uh, subway station? Uh, Blur and Spadina. Yeah. Okay. So Spadina. I was Blur Bathurst. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's close. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Crazy. <laughs> so you're in Fort St. John. So I'm in Fort St. John. And it's play like, by play for both teams. Yeah, and I'm like, I come from Toronto where I'm like seeing these incredible hip hop acts and there's like amazing hidden festivals in these you see, parks. You're I'm still going, on the music thing? Like music oh, is still... Oh, well, I'm social. I'm 25. Okay. Whatever. Like, of course. Like, yeah, you, but you had the choice, right? No, I'm not trying to make music anything, but just it's part of my social life. And, but you're not going to like top 40 joints. You're actually no. you're looking for cool music. I remember one of the guys I was living with was in the huge in the techno scene. I was never really big into techno, but they threw fucking epic parties. <laughs> so one, they had this like map and it was like, you had to get off of this bus station on this weird route in this industrial part of town. You had to like follow these train tracks for a half kilometer. And then it was a, you know, it was a city of Toronto recycling facility and they'd crack the garage door. This is where all those huge trucks that have recyclables would like dump in like orange juice cans and empties and you'd wade through like knee to waist high bottles and cans and get to this ladder and climb two stories up and they had like a, a it was a warehouse with a top floor and windows overlooking like downtown Toronto and it was like a rave all night it was fucking epic crazy and it wasn't my music but it was like this is a party like, yeah you're not going to like BP's ordering a team picture after that <laughs> thinking it's a night out like I seen some shit in that warehouse <laughs> Um, so I love Toronto, but I, I go from this incredibly multicultural city where I'm super social. I'm out all the time. I never eat at home. There's restaurants from all over the world. I've got friends of every shape, size, color, ethnicity, religious background. It feels like you're in the middle of the world when you're in Toronto. It's really amazing. It's a you really, you liked it there. Oh yeah. I mean, Dude, living I there with a family would be different. But I hated it. How old were you? Um, so this was 2001. Okay. So I was like early twenties. And you were single and you didn't like it yeah, there? Yeah, dude. Oh, wow. I made I made $36,000 a year. That's not a lot. Lived lived on that Madison Ave yeah. in the one-bedroom basement of the student housing complex. Yeah, I had some little setup. It was like $900 a month. Yeah, I was 600 and my door didn't have a handle. It just pushed. It was like, whatever. I'm not here anyway. I'm here to like pass out, wake I, up in the morning and go again. Yeah, and I'm not, so I'm, I'm like an introvert by trade. Okay, see, I'm the opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're just like... You were vibrating. Every time I was like, every weekend it'd be like someone else I didn't know was crashed on a couch. I'm like, hey, whose pal are you? It was like, that one, that one, that one. Like, okay, yeah, your pal's with somebody and you're here from somewhere for some concert. Cool. Sure. I'm Ryan. <laughs> I don't know if you need anything. And so I go from there to Fort St. John where I'm like, it's just dirt roads and big trucks with weird machines on the back. Diesels are running all night through the winter so that they don't mm. not start when they mm -hmm. need to be working in the morning. And Dude's dropping out of high school to work in the oil patch because they're like dangling 100K and I'm making 28 grand at Moose FM. I'm like, what have I done? Like, this is supposed to be the dream? Holy mm -hmm. fuck. <laughs> and like, try to relate to someone. We're like, uh -huh. hey, have you ever yeah. seen Talib Kweli <laughs> in concert? Like, who? <laughs> and like, it's a fancy night out if you're at BP's. <laughs> I love how it always goes to BP's. <laughs> but, and like it was because it was just yeah, like that's, that's it. what it was up yep. there. But the saving grace was that the senior AAA team was a lot of guys my age that had come back from collegiate programs, cool. Western Hockey League, semi-pro, really good. Like, yep. And what they were doing is they're trying to get in the oil patch and a company would hire them and say, but you got to go do a couple of years in Fort St. John and play on the team. Mm. Right. So it was a really good team. And those guys are a little more traveled and yep. had seen some more of the world and, you know, they're their bubble extended beyond the peace region yep. and the three strip clubs with 15,000 people. <laughs> How's that fucking math work? Know your the audience. Condil is not a steakhouse. Do not be fooled. The Condil restaurant is not a restaurant. It's got drywall with a hole in it and they've got the, like, the boards for the ceiling boards pushed up on the stage because it wasn't high enough of a room. Just around the pole. <laughs> Jesus.
13 months minus a day. <laughs> Loved it. Got to touch everything. Yep. It's like six, seven people at the radio station. So you got your hands on everything. I did like a, a remote from a furniture store on Christmas Day one year. Like cool. just all of it. Speed skating just was big up there because they had some good speed skaters. I think Denny Morrison, the Olympian, was from up there. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was it was a great experience. Yep. I, I was probably a little lonelier than I wanted to be. It was not the social life I had in Toronto. But mm. it, from there, I went to Penticton. I one of the guys at the station in Fort St. John, his dad was the second in command of the BCHL. Okay, like not the commissioner, but the. So whatever second deputy vice maybe? commissioner, is that, I, don't I don't know. know. He was Bill Daly of the BCHL. <laughs> Sounds like a deputy job. He was John Grisdale's <laughs> right hand man, as uh, over a hundred people might even know. Uh, and he got word that there was an opening in Penticton, uh, my buddy. And he's like, "You got to apply for this." I'm like, "Yes, I do." And so luckily, I, I got down there for an interview. Got my name in the hat before they even posted the job. I said, "Hey, I heard there's an opening." And they're like, oh, "Really? Where'd you hear that?" I'm like, oh, "Don't worry about it. When can we talk?" And so Penticton was phenomenal. It, it was. Uh, the old Memorial Arena there. It's yeah. like one of those old yeah, barns. I, dude, I got a story for you. 1,800 seats and, you know, but you count people hanging off the rafters in the in the 40s and 50s. It, you know, maybe it's over 2,000. And the Penticton Knights and Panthers and Vs were an institution there. And mm-hmm. I, for four years, I really got to work on my play-by-play trade and then started picking up, like, the communications, PR, and social media blogging side of cool. – of, um, I guess the media world. It was an amazing four years. What was the uh, what was the job that they gave you? Was it just play by just play? Pe- okay. Just for year one. Yep. I think I got five hundred bucks a game, yep. and then I was bartending at uh, Larry Lund, former WHA stars uh, bar, the Barley Mill, <laughs> and it was like you know, but the guy I bartended with was one of the top Elvis impersonators in the continent. So not soon <laughs> after that, because we did karaoke <laughs> once a week, and he'd only do Elvis songs. He got good. <laughs> he literally toured for a couple of years. No way. Yeah. Um, and then year two, it was like, okay, like we moved into the new rink that hosts the prospects tournament, at the beginning of the NHL season, the Canucks host that Edmonton comes, Calgary comes, Winnipeg often. Yep. And we held because of the facility, like a 5,200 seat junior A building, like yep. nicest in the country by a mile. Um, we got to host like world junior A challenge. So that was the new Canada, one. Right? That's the new building, right? Yeah, the SOEC, South yep. Okanagan yep. Events Center. Yep. Um, and so I got to see one year in the old rink, the team won the league that year. Uh, Ron Hextel's kid was on the team. Okay. Zach Delpy, who's still in the Panther system, was on the team. Uh, Jim Nill's kid was on the team. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of really good hockey players and, um, yeah, big personalities. It was the coach's first year. And by the end of the four years, I was doing a weekly TV show in a bar with season ticket holders. Right. I wanted to interview the coach. Cool. It's like our own little coach. Like a local corner. cable thing kind of? No, we put it up on the internet. It was actually oh, cool. pretty cutting edge at the time. There was a okay. guy that was really big into video and film yep. and had a pretty powerful computer and he did a lot of the production because wow. he was a super passionate guy. Wow. Yeah. It's like way ahead of times. Yeah. And then I would host a Monday weekly V's show. I would sell and produce all the ads and inventory and I bought the airtime from the station. So I was no like a one man media wing for the company. I'd write a check for like mm-hmm. X thousands of dollars and Sun FM would give me certain numbers uh, mm-hmm. of, of hours. It wasn't Sun. It was the AM equivalent, uh, Easy Rock. Um, so I, that would be all our, our games. And I would literally go out and sell Crazy. who's going to sponsor the penalty kill hmm. and who's going to be our, you know, first intermission guest sponsor no way. and our matchup of the night. And so you get to meet all the people in town, all the movers and shakers mm-hmm. and became really close with, uh, the head coach and GM, Fred Harbinson there, a Calgary guy, believe it or not. Freddie, does he have two boys? Uh, he's got a boy and a girl. So okay. no. Okay. Cause I, cause I, 
yeah, I know Fred Harbison too, but I, he's got two boys. Yeah, and so he's still running the program out there. It's, <laughs> I always say it's it's the best in junior A in the country because it is. It's uh, it's phenomenal. They'll get 15, 20 kids to college every year and learned a lot about the sport there, got really involved on, you know, how a, a junior hockey business operates yep. because there was only a few of us in the, the building. Mm-hmm. And after four years, I was kind of like, wow, like, I've done everything I can do here. Like I'm not going to do two TV shows or two radio shows or write more press releases or start a second blog or like, I, I, I feel like I've mastered this job yep. and I love it here, but I need, if I want to get where I want to go, which at that point was to be an NHL play by play guy, like I need to leave here. Did you, when you like those four years, did you build out kind of the plan? Did you know that you needed to launch a blog? Did you know that doing your own kind of TV show thing or were you kind of like, was it there- all kind of just happened. And like, I don't know that I, I knew, but I, I certainly knew it wasn't a bad idea. Yep. And that like, if it was done right, it could work. Mm-hmm. But it just, we just kept adding another sort of like, what a quiver into the... Yeah, yeah. Bad, bad analogy there somewhere. Nah, but like, no, it was, an, like, it was yeah. another tool in the, the toolkit. Uh, yep. And it was another, I guess, prong to that media wing of the team, mm-hmm. which was a really good team yep. and got great fan support from that, you know older but like diehard hockey mm. fan yeah, base yeah. there like penticton's young and fun and beaches and families in the summer and it's a bunch of blue hairs that are sipping coffee bitching about the power play in the winter <laughs> it's <a> retirement <laughs> community right it's a good spot anyone young and interesting is like off to college or university in Kelowna or vancouver yeah. like, get out of here and you knew even your time while you were there you knew like nhl play-by-play well, i wanted to i was mean it, was that dream was, right? was that was that was that the goal from when i don't know i feel like if you'd told me I could do a highlight show or be a play-by-play guy in the NHL, those would have been like, oh, please. Yeah, that'd be and, amazing. And that uh, would have been back to like high school, junior okay. high school for okay. sure. Either either one of those would have been Yeah, because that's like, that's the pinnacle of sports broadcasting mm. for, for me at that mm. point. Um, and so by virtue of telling the visa I wasn't going to come back for a fifth year, which is like, oof, I'm putting myself out there. Now I'm volunteering to host anything. I'm writing for all these different publications. I will cover this event for you, NHL.com. You don't have someone here, which is that you know prospect tournament. My buddy, Aaron Welber, uh, starts a website called thecoachessite.com, and he's going to have his first coaching conference where you bring in high-end hockey coaches to talk to people that coach at lower levels, whether that's someone in minor hockey, whether that's you know like AAA coaches at the Bantam Midget, or whether it's junior B, junior A, collegiate coaches coming in from Canada and the U.S. And that first year, Ryan Walter happens to speak at the the event, the former NHLer, and his play-by-play guy just leaves and I'm emceeing. And it's just like, oh, my God, like if I don't leave the visa, I might not emcee that event. And if I don't emcee that event, there's no way I get that job. But suddenly I go from BCHL, junior A, skip over the Western League on the whole hierarchy of, of leagues, and I'm working in the American Hockey League for the Flames farm team, no less. And I moved from Penticton to Abbotsford. And so I was two years in Abbotsford. This is Sven Berchi, Lance Boma, TJ Brody, like that era of Flames mm-hmm. prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, Leland Irving's in that. Danny Taylor's there a year. Legend Barry Brust was there for a year. Uh, and the lockout happens to flop in one of the years, uh, the first 48 games there. And the radio station Calgary wants to have me on all the time because there's no NHL, but the American League's still playing. And because there's no NHL, anyone on entry level has been sent to Abbotsford. And Bob Hartley's in the stands overlooking things. And, um, you know, Jay Feaster's overseeing stuff. He's got nothing to do. There's no NHL season. You may right. as well watch the kids. Yeah. 
And so there, I sort of began to get a little bit of a profile on 960, the sports radio station um, in town. And sure enough, when things end in Abbotsford, I've been doing summer fill-in for a few weeks here or they, there that they're paying me for because mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything in the summer. That's the heat. They're not doing anything. So yep. a couple of weeks, come back to Calgary, do some shows, get paid. And then Andrew Walker leaves, uh, who was a third wheel on the morning show for a few years. He got a job offer in Toronto. Rogers matched it, moved him to Toronto, and there's an opening on the morning show as I'm doing a summer of fill-in and things have just ended in Abbotsford because that was like the Titanic. We all knew it wasn't going to work. A flames-colored team in Greater Vancouver. Right. Hmm, weird they couldn't draw. <laughs> only we had bigger <laughs> egos. It could have worked better. <laughs> so, yeah, and then that's that's where uh, that brings us to Calgary after being away for seven years chasing this broadcasting dream. I'm back home in Calgary, and I've got all my old pals from high school, but now I've also got, you know, my pals from university that came back from Lethbridge to Calgary that mm-hmm. I never lived in Calgary. I'd see them only in the summer. And so I, I just felt so lucky and really proud to be back in a major market to, to yep. it felt like I'd gotten to a level that I, I always wondered if I could and was hopeful I could and not only that I get dropped into a morning show with Rhett Warner and Boomer Dean Mulberg who uh, you know it was there was a lot of friction early but it was it was very well listened to and a popular program and I feel like three years in we really hit stride and it's really the rest of my life since then has been spun off of the success of that program. Did you, in your wildest dreams, could you have imagined that, like, hitting the pinnacle in your hometown? Yeah, I mean, I think when I was doing play-by-play for the Abbotsford Heat, the pinnacle was going to be doing the Flames games on the radio. Gotcha. But I feel like me and that job, it could only happen one way. And it wasn't after you gave me a, let's have lots of opinions, be a sports personality on a sports talk station. Mm. Because I'm not going to well, this guy's great and they're all trying hard and, well, let's give it the college try. (laughs) This guy sucked. There's problems here. Mm -hmm. That's a bad trade. Mm -hmm. That's like in sports talk, like you best have some opinions. And when the team sucks, the team doesn't really like your opinions because you're probably telling the team they're not run that well Mm -hmm. or they're not organized or this is a problem here. Why are you losing so much? If I had stayed in the play-by-play path, I believe I could have done that job and I might have been a, a strong applicant. I don't yeah. know that they want someone that has been stirring up hornet's nests yeah. for interesting conversation yeah. for three, four years. Um, and so when I took the job at 960, Peter Marr was there. But yeah, a couple of years later, I guess, uh, he retires and it was like, Oof, I don't know. My boss didn't even <laughs> consider it and he picked it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like that's... A play-by-play guy is not there to opine and ask questions about what's right and wrong. Yep. A play-by-play guy's job is to describe what's happening on the ice, and the color guy can add in a little more color yep. as to, you know, here's when you mentioned the corner. Well, look at this here. Yep. It's not an opinion job. Sports Talk Radio is entirely an opinion job. Mm-hmm. So it was like once I got really into that and be like, okay, this opinion is not going to be popular, but I know it's right. I've yep. got good sources, and, like, the team's not going to like this, but our audience deserves it. Once you get into that yep. school of uh, what work is, you can't go back to being like house media type mm-hmm. play-by-play guy stuff. Mm-hmm. The <clears throat> to do it to do it at a high level, what does it actually look like to to be that connected to the game? You know, whether it's like research, whether it's watching a, a crazy amount of hockey, mm-hmm. whether it's like um, building relationships with people that you can trust when they tell you things. Like that body of work. You know, people from the outside look at somebody that has a show. 
Yeah. The show could be from nine till ten thirty, one like once a day for five days a week. Yeah. And they're like, this guy works like in an hour and a half a day, but <laughs> what is it actually? You know, the amount of knowledge that you have to build in your head to actually have an opinion. There isn't one thing and one way to do it. Um, but I would say any broadcaster has to find their voice, which is to say, what do you talk about that you have great expertise in or are extremely knowledgeable in that area? Like, I'm not going to break down a zone exit on, you know, the, the second period shift. But some people can do that, and that can be their shtick, and that yeah. is some people's shtick. But because I worked in Abbotsford, the Flames Farm team, like, I have good sources in that team. I was employed by the team owned by the Calgary Flames, so... If there's something stinky going on in the organization, I've got a lot of people that I can go into my phone and text and say, yep. like, what are you hearing on this? But I'm not an insider. Like, yep. Elliot Friedman doesn't need to break down a shift. He can just text GMs, and he's built that. But I think what it was is I'm on a show with two other really strong personalities. Uh, like, I don't need to come in and tell Rhett what's, how a defenseman played a two-on-one wrong. Yeah, you're smart enough to, like, stay out of that. Eventually, I got smart enough for that, I hope. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, we're not lacking confidence in being right often. Right. Remember loudmouth know-it-all? Like, did I say that? But, and, but no, yes. like I'm with a former player, yeah. and I'm with a guy that watches all the games and doesn't really have a huge interest in looking at data. He wants to just react to what he sees, which is great. And so those are two angles at it. What can I bring to this show that's different from those two? So I got really into like following people that are, are deep into data and analytics and you know, started reading stuff that was off the beaten path for, for fans, but not for like what was happening behind the scenes in organizations. Like in the last 15 years, scouting staffs haven't got much bigger or smaller. It's kind of the, like you have scouts. Where the game has changed on the hockey ops side more than anything is the incorporation of, of analytics, stats, data. Like they now have every player being tracked where they move on the ice with a chip in their jersey like you have 10,000 pieces of data a game mm -hmm. that someone has to sift through and figure out what this means and how it works. And, and I'm not that guy, but I was just, you know, in the age of social media, you could follow really smart people on Twitter that had great insights and go mm. to websites that were free, that had a lot of really good information. And so if someone comes in and says, Michael Backlund's playing like shit, he's no good. I'd say, well, hang on. Like when he's on the ice, the Flames are outchancing their opponents and he's only shooting Crazy. 6% and his career average is 11. Like you're looking at a guy that's not got puck luck and that you're looking at results, not process. Mm. And people don't like hearing that, but it was a nice third leg of the stool for the show. Yep. The former player, you had the guy that watches every game and is like, here's what I'm seeing. And I would sort of say, well, of course you don't like him. Like he's, he's only scored three times on his last hundred shots. That's mm. like, that would be half of his worst year shooting in the league. You, yep. you know, he's due for some bounces. And, and it also created great debate on the show. And it, and it was sort of the debate surrounding the sport as well. Like, it was new-ish, right? Like to, yeah. to that that thought process, and, yep. and and I think when it really popped off is when they hired Buddy in Toronto, like Dubas. Yeah, that was kind of came like, to the forefront. He also wasn't like a, just a straight data guy; like he was a GM in the he was OHL. Sold that way though, right? Like he was he like was, a young data guy. And, and I think because he was a good GM and was fluent in in data or analytics or whatever you want to say, yep. Brennan Shanahan was like, "I have to hire this guy because mm. if I don't, someone else will." Mm. And it was like him and. Um, Lou Lamarillo were in the organization at the same time, a little power struggle there. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, um, trying to remember what the guys that owned the London Knights, one of the, Mark Hunter was in the organization oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. And so you had some old school guys yep. and Kyle Dubas and who won the power struggle to be GM. Yep. Well, look, you don't have to 
like watch the game and say like, I saw the game, I know everything. You can also go to people that like bet against Vegas for a living and beat them and say, what are their, what does their model say? And and they, that, that that sounds really weird, but like no, no. for the last five years, there are people that can bet and beat Vegas at hockey. If you've yeah. ever tried it, it's almost impossible. I don't think GMs could beat Vegas at it, but mm-hmm. I know some nerds with some great computer models can. Mm-hmm. And so if I shade my opinions toward those guys, I'm yeah. probably going to look smart more often than just going with the gut or yeah. what every common fan sees on their TV screen. Yeah. And you're comfortable like, you know, I've listened to the show a couple of times since you started a new one, which we'll get mm-hmm. to, by the way. But you, you do, like you do speak in, with data behind you. How, how quick are you to, to either research it, find it, and then keep it top of mind and then bring it up in a conversation? Like, is it a natural flow for you? It can be. Like if, if, if they say, I shouldn't say they, like if someone's like, geez, like man, Andrew Mangiapane is struggling, he's not scoring. Like, I'm going to go look at his shooting percentage. <laughs> and that's not like, whoa. No, but like, um, but, and, your, but your backland example is different. Yeah, well, we had a great debate on the show and it was like, that was back when it was pretty heated and Boom and I weren't getting along and, I think he's going through some heavy shit and I'd only done broadcasts where I was the main guy and I'd bring in a color person that mm. rotated. I, I wasn't used to sharing the space Yep. and I still like interrupting a lot, <laughs> finishing people's sentences and such. <laughs> oh, you, but, you can see how quick your heads, you're like, well, zip, that's zip, what it zip, is, zip, right? I mean, like, I know I can fix this for you. I can help you. You're yeah, looking yeah. for a word. Yeah, I got yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the debate. He's, he's like, okay, so you hate this guy so much. Like, he sucks. Backlund's brutal. Like, where is he in five years? And Boom's like, oh, he's going to be in the KHL. I'm like, I think he's going to get Selkie votes. And it was like, poof, poof. there couldn't have been wider goalposts. Mm-hmm. And, like, he ended up finishing fourth in Selkie voting one year, fifth or whatever. He's not in the KHL. And Boomers come around on him. But to the, to the former player and the eyeball test guy, he was no good. Yep. The data suggested before any eyeball test that hang on. You might not like what you're seeing on this. You might think he's soft because he has a broken pinky. If it was a forefinger, you might not feel the same way. Like, it's narrative street here. Um, but, like, when he was on the ice, there was really positive things happening in terms of where shots were get, taking place. Mm-hmm. From. They were further away mm-hmm. from the Flames net, or there was just a lot more on the other end. So yeah. you might you know, he doesn't dive and make spectacular play, but he's in the right spot, and there's not a pass there. Like, it's just a play dies. Yeah. You don't get credit for that. Whereas it's like Chris Russell's diving all over and sliding. You're like, look how hard he's trying. It's like, well, if he was in position, he wouldn't have to dive so much. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a, refri- a refined perspective on the sport to, to understand that the, you know, the gut intuition thing to look and like make judgment like Chris Russell sliding all over, trying hard. Yeah, to have and he that, does try hard and he's got a heart of a lion, but like, you know, results that, are what matters. That extra piece is a different, is a different twist. Yeah, and so that was kind of how I, I found a, a voice on that show. But you asked, like, what's the pinnacle or, uh, like, how do you, yep. like, I just had to find a, a place on that show that worked. Yep. And to be fair, like, I didn't feel That's like the hard. show was working for me for a while. It's hard. Like, like, I was living in my sister's basement getting berated by my co-host because he didn't like my opinions. And, like, yeah, I probably interrupted him too much. But it's, you know, from the outside, you know, somebody looking at a story like yours, you know, climbing, getting to a spot where there's a lot of people that want to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever the percentage is, you, you rattle off the hockey guy, it's like 1% of 1%, you know, so mm-hmm. to get to where you're at is a high level. From the outside, everyone's like, fuck, he made it. But behind the scenes, what's actually happening is like... I had to find a fitter. I was off that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know, my boss at the time, Kelly Kershaw, always believed that I was like really built for sports talk, but it, it took me a while to really nail it. Like I could Years? do the work and do the interviews, but just to fit in on that show especially was tough. Uh Years, seasons, like how, like how long did it take you to find your groove? Oh, so I started on that morning or show have you? the fall of 2013. <laughs> so that's 10 years ago. 
wow. coming up here. I started on that morning show. Crazy. And I would say we probably moved downtown within the first three years. And I felt like when we got into that new building downtown out of the Northeast that the show was rolling. Mm. And not that there wasn't friction. Like, the friction's a really important foundational piece to our show. That's why it's good. But delicate, right? Like, there's a fine line. Like, it, Well, it's just respect, too. Yeah. Right? Like, um, you know how far to go? Or it's just, like, everyone's going to take it in the teeth. Yeah. Not just one guy. Right. Um, and also just to understand how to play into other people's strengths. Like, if I know... Like, why would I opine about how a player feels in a locker room or what's going on in the Flames room when I can just ask a guy that played for this coach? Yeah. That's a really nice um, partner to have when Daryl Sutter's coaching the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Boomer's got a resume that involves covering this team and other teams, and he's covered a lot of junior hockey. Like, you can pick his brain. It's like, you got to... Or you know that he's got a hilarious angle on something. Like, play into your co-host's strengths, Mm -hmm. right? What, is, is that maturity that allows you to think like that? Or experience? I mean, I guess if, if banging your head against the wall so often that like you got a sore head, you like you got to start figuring it out. It's it's not insanity, is what it is. <laughs> Stop doing what's not working. And I think he came around to me. I, I think the best thing that happened for our relationship was me leaving that show for a year and a half. Yep. I went to afternoons to work with Pat Steinberg, and now Dean had to work with someone else in my chair. And I think what he may have taken for granted when I was there was suddenly very apparent. Mm. Like I can't just turn to someone and yep. expect them to be able to carry on like, whatever topic quick. I throw. Yep. And like, maybe I'm pulling something out of my ass on, you know, the left tackle for the giants, but like I could fill some time and I can also fuck around and tell mm. jokes or not tell jokes, but like play along just be in, a personality. A, in a comedic setting yep. uh, and not get in the way, hopefully. And when that was gone, it was like, shit like mm. all of a sudden there's multiple guys running through that chair and mm. then the pandemic hits and there's no sports mm. and that was like the call it was like okay you're going back to morning it's like i'm just getting comfortable like with my new life expectancy of not waking up at 4 a.m and dying when i'm young <laughs> and you're gonna move me back to mornings <laughs> Fuck. and you. we're doing like candy brackets chip brackets like the dumbest shit to fill time because there's no pro sports for like six months there and what is that what is that i forget I'm sure other people forget too, right? The pandemic was a real thing for so a lot of people. I was in, we had a big client trip for Fall of the Flames to Miami late Feb. And then we came back for a week and we had some people, 2020, that uh, got sick and yep. for sure had COVID mm-hmm. in hindsight. But at the time, we're like, wow, like two weeks away from work. Like, that's a bad hangover. Come on, guys, like, pull mm-hmm. up your socks. Shake it. And like, yeah, you threw, you throttled it in Miami. Good work. But like, you got to show your face at work, don't you? You're not going next year. Um, and so it was like, fuck. Then the pandemic, like things are getting weird. You're, you're seeing the news, like stuff's happening in China. Mm-hmm. And I was down in Dunedin, like 10 days later, covering Blue Jays spring training. And I remember being in a club on like the seventh or eighth floor of a, of a condo tower in Clearwater Beach, which is the head of the Scientology religion, by the way, and a beautiful beach. <laughs> Uh, and it's like overlooking the water and there's boats everywhere. And it was a March Madness tournament game. Like the winner of this game was going to the tournament and the loser mm. wasn't. So it was like, we're kind of getting into that time of the calendar sports wise. And there's this ticker on the bottom. Like there was on every sports channel. It was the NBA's canceled games tonight. And that was when it was like, okay. Oh fuck. Mm. We're in Florida. And WestJet was running this trip through the radio station and luckily, I'm down there with some WestJet people that are schmoozing high-end clients and running the contesting. And it was like eight hours for a normal human to call and try to move their flight. I don't have eight hours to move my flight to get home, but the WestJet staff had all of us 
and was like, well, let's move everything up 24 hours. And somehow they got that done. And we got in like minutes before the mandatory 14 day quarantine coming into the country. Crazy. Like uh, probably landed somewhere between 10 and midnight. Midnight's mm. the cutoff for 14 day quarantine. Mm. So that was when that was. <laughs> and it wasn't soon after that I was moved from afternoons back to mornings. Mm. And then no sports. Like, yeah. So we were just doing like anything it, to fill time. I don't even know. I, I, I like, I would start, like I was doing a Pinder report, which is like a everyday, the, the news of the sporting world, but try to do something funny or dumb or have a hilarious sound clip or a callback to a Will Ferrell quote from a movie, anything to make you laugh while delivering the news, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden there's no sports. So it was be like, okay, this day in flames history, which alumni's birthday. Fuck. Oh, it's uh, this guy and he fought his brother once. We've got to play that. Where's that? Go to YouTube, find that fight. Anything Crazy. to try to fill out because there was no sports to react to. And then mm -hmm. even it was like, there was a golf event and you're like, whoa, like, oh, the Bundesliga <laughs> started. Yes, German <laughs> soccer. And then it comes on you're like, Oh, fuck, I never watched the Bundesliga because I don't care about the Bundesliga. Fuck. Right? And then by the summer, like, you're starting to get some stuff going. And then it was like the bubble playoffs in Edmonton and Toronto. Right. Yeah. So it was different early on in the no sports that I got asked to come back to, to mornings. And uh, that was the last two years at the station, I guess. Hmm. And that was when Boom and I were probably at our best. And yep. Rhett had taken a year away um, and then came back and joined us for, I think, the last two years. So the new show. Yes, Barn Burner. Yeah, so it's, yeah, get, get into it a little bit. I'm curious to see what, what you think, um, you know, working at that level mm -hmm. for a big, a big shop and now doing, now doing this and mm -hmm. what that feels like. And, and yeah, if your energy is, um, if there's newfound excitement, does it take oh, you yeah. back to when you're starting? Like, I'm kind of curious to see what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'd say, like, it's like, not like a nervous energy, like, oh, I'm in a big market, here we go. But it's just like, yeah, I'm not waking up at four and we do whatever the hell we want. We've got a really, really great loyal following for whatever reason, however dumb the show is that we're, we're talking about food and, you know, like, whose who's farts are ruining the studio that day like it really was just locker room show yep. with some sports but for whatever reason that resonated really well in the community and we when we decided to do this we're like okay like our guys are going to come with us like the guys that love our show and listen to our show for 10 years the mm -hmm. guys that were texting us the callback jokes from eight years earlier you every feel morning. you feel that you feel, oh yeah do you, see, do you feel the volume increasing as you as you know as you do your show for a lot of years yeah you know you do have a lot of in, like inputs saying people are into this. And we had like, a text line at the station, which was huge. You could gauge interest at all times. Gotcha. And like, not good. It's like, if you like the show and you're happy, you're not texting it. Yeah, yeah. If you think Pender fucking sucks mm -hmm. and that was the dumbest thing he's ever heard and like, <laughs> go get another job, you loser, you send that in. Yeah. So, you know, you get a little thick skin on the old text line, but it was constant feedback. Yep. And, you know, we started putting all of our shows online like every radio station now does. And, you know, there was an understanding, I think, that we had a, like a really good following and that if we were you know, when we started this in the fall that I think we could bring a lot of those people with us. Not because they didn't like something else, but because they loved our show. Yep. And we didn't really have to establish, okay, here's who we are and mm -hmm. here's what the show is going to mm -hmm. sound like. It was the show, mm -hmm. but it was the show with cameras. It was the show in a studio. It was the show uncensored. Yep. Um, not that we were really towing a corporate line. Like they were, they were, we were in the bag <laughs> rather often and everyone in the building knew and was okay with it because it was funny like mm -hmm. Rhett's birthday there's a bottle of whiskey let's do a show mm -hmm. uh, and that probably you know wouldn't have flown over at corporate headquarters but e the, the people that wanted ratings for the show at the station understood it and were, <laughs> loved it we're fine and it, like oh shoot you got really big numbers and it was a funny show mm 
right? <laughs> and <me>. so <laughs> when you're in this space now, it's like, you know what we should do? Boom said it one day. He's like, I think I saw someone like, he, he knew who it was. It was like one of the late night hosts, I think, or a comedian of sort. And they just got bombed with Lizzo one day and filmed it. And he's like, this is unbelievable. And he's like laughing at his workstation. I'm doing this, trying to get ready for the show. I'm like, what are you watching? Like he's got his headphones on. He's dying. I'm like what the hell's going on over there? Like he's losing his mind laughing. And he tells me what it is. And he's like, I think we should do a drinking show for Christmas. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, no, I think we should do it. I'm like, cool. And I just started writing down an order of drinks and I'm like I don't know how many the show's like an hour and a half but I just started I'm like okay coffee baileys is a start for sure then we're gonna do a mimosa it's a holiday show we probably have to mix in like eggnog somewhere so we could do eggnog and rum third still kind of like early day drinking like let's get a, a paloma in mm -hmm. caesar light beer rosé we swap that out holiday punch moscow mule and so we literally on the 22nd of december turned on the show and Hammered after. 10 drinks in oh, two wow. hours, and it was like, <laughs> it was sloppy at the end. And I was hung over at dinner time, it felt like. And it's not like, hey, kids, grow up and do this. But fuck, was it funny? And like, you wouldn't have a tough time guessing what our most popular yeah. show we've mm -hmm. ever done is in mm -hmm. four months. Mm -hmm. But like, that wasn't even on the table at the old place. Like, yeah. you could just, we can do whatever we want. It's not like, ooh, yay, we're, we're drinking. Like, hee hee. It's just like, we can do whatever we want. Which we want to go do a show from, uh, an outhouse at Cowboys during Stampede, we can do it. Mm. It doesn't matter. Mm. Um, there's a freedom. And it, and it's not just like the show. It's like, you want to put out a t-shirt with Rhett's face? Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. You want to do a live event? Let's go. Yeah. You want to record the tape from, you know, the Super Bowl? Let's do it. Yeah. Like, and, and it's not a shot at the old place, but it's just, it's so big. Something as simple as like a trip or a, a t-shirt could take... Yeah. months and months and months and months to get approved because they just had to cross so many desks and yeah. so many different departments where it's like, there's no departments here. There's like four or five of us on this thing that if, if, if we're deciding that, you know, we're going to go give Rhett, you know, ski gear and put him on a chairlift on his cell phone and do the show from wherever, like we can do it. We can do anything. There's uh, a freedom about it. It's almost like it, it, when you're trying to get it off the ground, it's almost overwhelming because yeah. there's nothing you can't do yeah, you like we need to start with something specific and then we can grow it because it's just it's all too much mm. uh, but we're, we're in bed with really good partners in terms of who we're working with they're going to take care of the back end and social media and the studio and we're just going to be content guys and try to be not boring which i think we're good at um <laughs> is it it's like the ultimate uh creative opportunity sure you get like you got a life you've you've led a life to this moment with all these different experiences. I'm sure you've seen, you've seen the t-shirt idea. You've seen these like ideas, handcuffs were on because it was a big operation. Mm -hmm. Now is it just like cataloging all these ideas and just being somewhat strategic and when you're going to let them loose or is it just I like... I feel like we, we just needed to get the show off the ground, which we did. Like we started the first day of the NHL season and it was like, that was our dress rehearsal. And the camera's mics were taking our audio, not these mics. And it sounded like we were recording in a bathtub for 20 minutes. And we're like, fuck, what are we doing here? Did, did <laughs> Day you, one. Did you know? We figured you, it out. That, we took a break and figured it out. did you know you needed these? Or we just we like, had these. It was just the, the default just, on the okay, computer the cards was, was set yeah, to yeah, the yeah, camera, yeah. not the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, little tech error, day one. Yeah. But so it's like, okay, we got to get the show to a spot where we sell it. We've got good clients. We're taking care of them. They're happy. The content's good. We're in a flow of how things go, what works, what doesn't. Because th there are some changes. We can't play music, copyright stuff. 
Um, whereas the radio station, you always could because you right. had an FM partner upstairs that had the catalog of music, so whatever you play yep. whatever song you want. Like that's a big difference. A lot of the audio elements we'd use aren't yep. really available to us. So you got to figure out your way in this new digital space. It's a different show length. How many guests do we want? Mm -hmm. And with three of us and in ninety minutes, there's not a lot of room for guests. Like yep. we used to do three four hours. Like I was on six till ten five oh, days a week. Wee. So it's four hours of content a day. But we're also not doing commercial breaks, so you don't have these little resets yep. and. So you're just trying to figure out this new space. Now we've launched our second show, which is called Afterburner. Mm -hmm. School night, Flames games. We mm -hmm. do a post game. So Sunday night through Thursday night. Essentially, we want something that you can... If we had a show, but the Flames played that night, if you're driving in at work, do you really want to hear the show before the Flames game? Yeah, you yeah. could, but you'd rather hear us talking about the game, not what we think may or may not happen during said game. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And so, you know, if we're recording this today. It's a Flames game day. Yep. I'll go back to the studio at... 10 and 11 tonight and we'll record half an hour an hour on the flames game and then when people drive to work tomorrow it's already downloaded spotify apple wherever youtube if you want yep. to watch it and and that's sort of the second layer and yeah we're working on some other stuff the, the other sort of tentacles of of what i think is now a brand not a show which then it gets very interesting right yeah and do you like why shouldn't we do live events we had we, we had our own charity um, fundraiser at Christmas. We raised like 21 grand for a local charity. And it's like, God, you feel so proud of that compared to just reading something at the station. Oh, make sure to do yeah, this yeah, yeah. for the holidays. Yeah. And you know, that's probably us not getting invested as that as we should have, but you can't help but get really invested yeah. when it's like your little shop comes up with that kind of dough to help people have Christmas. That was mm. really cool. So mm. I guess like the, the, the big shop versus going out on your own, like yep. you're invested in all of it. Right. Mm. Um, that, uh, <laughs> you got my mind rolling. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. This is what my coworkers have to deal with. No, it was, it was the, the, that, that's what it, the afterburner show. Yeah. So it's a big commitment for you, right? You got a family still. I mean, it's not like 80, I'm not watching the games. But like, no, there's 80, you got to go. So do you have to go somewhere and like record and. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm lucky that the studio's like eight blocks from my house, but. But still though, right? 82 games. I, I want to be watching every game as close to live as I can. Mm. And, you know, we started it in January, so it's really half a year. Like, we've looked at it. I think there's 30 or 31 regular season games. Does that freak you out at all? No. Like, the workload, the commitment no, to do it? Hour. But and look, but, I'm already, like, I should be collecting my thoughts and watching the game. Yeah. So really all I'm doing is adding another hour to 90 minutes that yeah. those thoughts I've collected for tomorrow's show, I'm just using tonight. And does it feel better to do to put in the extra effort to like launch a second show when you know it's kind of your own little thing versus if you were. Yeah. If, if I you, mean, it's just an extension of, of the, the main show. It's, yeah. it'll be two of the three of us in theory rather than all three. Yeah. And rat with the time zone is going to be tough when they're at home or on the West coast. Like, Oh, eight thirty puck drop in LA. That's um, that's a ten thirty puck drop Buffalo time. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we'll probably start recording at 1 AM <laughs> Eastern. Does that work for you? Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Boom. And I'll do this one. Uh, but I think that's just part of like, look, we only have so much inventory. We used to, we came from a space that had three, four hours a morning. Right. And we're like 90 minutes. Maybe we can get that up to two hours. Um, but like, we need more inventory too, right? That's part of the business model. Inventory for? For sales. Advertising. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't have commercial breaks yeah. and we want to have our sponsors be kind of like a, fat, a part of the show. Yeah. So, you know, we have a dentist that has a laser that cures snoring. I, yeah. I, you, you could stop the show and have a 30-second ad with music in the background, but, like, click. <laughs> so why don't we just say, hey, Rhett, you, you had had a bunch of beers in the Bills game. 
like, man, you must have been snoring like a champ last night. Oh, we found some video and then pull like someone chainsawing a tree down off YouTube and like, oh, look, it sounded like that. And then slide into a read and then move on to the next topic. Yeah. So when you're integrating your sponsors. Um, it's more organic. Yeah, more organically, more testimonially, yeah. or just like trying to sew them into the, Could you bring them the in? fabric of the show. Uh, like that's, you needed space to do that. It's yeah. not just like, oh, let's do a longer commercial break. It's like, no, you... And you can't do that 15 times in an hour. Mm -hmm. And so the inventory helps. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, we, we're not done at a main show and an after show. Like we want to do live events. We want to go places. We want to bring our guys to amazing sports moments. We yeah. want to, you know, have gear. We yeah. want to do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's no reason we shouldn't. And now you can. Yeah. And we could have before. It's just a lot more red tape. And it, yeah. it was a lot of work on other people's desks. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a good spot right now. It's great. Yeah, we're lucky, man. It's we're like really lucky. You said off camera, you're like, you're four months in? Yeah, it feels like a decade, and it's like, yeah, it's month four. So, <laughs> you know, hockey season starts in whatever, preseason, what, middle of September? Yeah, ish, yeah. Ish, and then goes till, camps, till June. Too many preseason games, and then yeah. the puck drop is October 11. I think next year we'll be back on the real schedule. Everything's been moved around for Olympic years and yep. late starts because we started stopped late. COVID. It's all pandemic yeah, yeah. messed up. It's finally, I think, back to normal next year. And I think you're probably looking at like October 6 to 12 puck drop, something like that. And then whatever, the cup is June. End of June. So hockey's like all-consuming for it's eight months there, yeah. Eight months and 82 games, Yeah. however playoffs. many shows you have. Mm -hmm. Five days a week. Just no problem. That's what you signed up for. That's what we did before. <laughs> and we're not waking up at 3 and 4 a.m. That's the biggest thing. I wake up with my kids now. Like, I hear my kids' alarm go off and our footprints down there, boom, 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 mm -hmm. down the hallway. Mm -hmm. It's not like, wait, 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 at, uh, yeah. at 4, yeah. which sucks. <laughs> so that was that, that was a big change. And, um, you know, I, I think the off-seasons in, in hockey and other sports, like NBA certainly, are almost more interesting than the seat the regular seasons yeah. in terms of like big trades yep. managing the cap like you think of the flames off season they had like johnny Gaudreau, dude doesn't <laughs> sign oh, drama <laughs> sky's falling matthew Ter i'm not re-signing here oh americans will never stay here mm -hmm. i will not mention craig conroy who is american and loves calgary <laughs> he's lived here forever but americans we can't ever draft americans no american will ever live in calgary and then it's like and then this gm screwed like they're 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 they're, they're fucked the team's gonna be awful and then it's like Kachuk gets swapped out. Huberto comes in. Mackenzie Weir comes in. A first as well. Monaghan, the first go out. Kadri comes in. You're like, holy shit. Like, Dude. like that offseason, like that's not a normal offseason, but you yeah. can just see that it's like if you like the drama and the like the, the stars mm -hmm. and contracts, like offseasons are very interesting. So like let's say the Flames play till May something. You still are really busy up until July 1 yep. when free agency starts. Yep. And then by July for everyone's side yeah. or it's like that guy wants too much money. Let's see what he wants in September mm. make him sit on it. Mm. So I don't know what summers will look like yet, but I think we're pretty keen on five shows a week till cool. free agency. Awesome. It's a shit ton of work. Ah, it's all for the, the, for the, for the, for the, yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, we did that 52 weeks a year yeah. at the shop. True. And you got your vacation and you had a lot more like people around yeah. helping in other areas. Yeah. But man, like you want the grind. It's like mm -hmm. come in at mid-August when there's nothing going on mm -hmm. and fill four hours. Yeah. Ooh. Work, and work. you still have to get up. Yeah. 
and you know it might be stampede or you're golfing it's just <laughs> oh yeah 4am again <laughs> here we what are, are we talking about today i don't know <laughs> no idea oh the uh the major league baseball trade deadline's coming up no one cares i know god damn it how much music do we got oh, the blue jays good this year not really oh fuck we're screwed and that would be when everyone would take their vacation so you're not even working with your yeah. partner it'd be like we'd alternate weeks all summer basically I'm like gross so it's like guys that were producing or you know yeah. the bench roster gets yeah. to start in the summer so so you're good yeah we're, uh, we're good at content we're not good at cameras and mics that's good play to your strengths yeah uh, this has been really cool man thank you um, I end the show with one question okay when I say Calgary where's your head go Ooh, I, I've seen you ask people this question. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to answer that? I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where my head goes. I, I, I just think. Do you want me to help you? Let yeah. me start somewhere and then I'll, I'll lean on you. I just, when I think of this city, I'm just really proud of, of what this city offers people. There's not a lot of places in the world where if you work hard, you're going to have a good life. There's a lot of cities that are a huge grind and that like, just to make it feels like summiting Everest and never mind, you know, being able to travel to the mountains, not have an hour long commute. Um, yeah, it gets cold, but you still need your sunglasses, put on a layer and stop moaning about it. Like, I just think this is the standard of living city in Canada. It doesn't take $2 million to get a knockover bungalow on the outskirts of the city, like all the other big cities. It's super cosmopolitan for its size. You have, direct flights to a lot of very nice places that aren't cold in January. And I, I love the people here. It's a, it's, it's a very welcoming place because a lot of people aren't from here. And I think if you are from Montreal or Houston or wherever, you can get, you know, I don't want to say assimilate, that's wrong, but like you can find a friendship group and it's not icy and like, well, you're not from here. Like, mm. no, I, 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 I'm really proud of this city. I mean, None are perfect, and it's not as sexy as, and cosmopolitan as others, but, like, those places you can't drive to the mountains in mm. 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm proud of the city. I love the city. So you had the answer. You, you, well, you got any other hints? No, me? man. You, I, 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 <laughs> thought, I thought you were going to have nothing. I was like, like fuck, wow. I'm going to have to drag this guy across the finish line here. No. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, uh, Dude, it's perfect. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't be happier to be in the city I grew up in, surrounded mm. by... You know, the people I love, be it family, old friends. Yep. Like, uh, my, I got married, kids are seven, five years ago. And it was like half of my six-year-old hockey team, at least, was at the wedding. So it's like, cool. those are the best pals. Yeah, dude. Right? Yep. The Calgary boys. Yep. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, and, man. And uh, best of luck, continued success on on this. I, I think this is an incredible way to shed light on the huge number of interesting people in the city yeah yeah we do have a lot and it's been yeah. uh, it's been fascinating like who am i i'm a nobody right but all of a sudden to be able to talk to these interesting characters and just yeah it's it's such I just a, like the the breadth of it like it isn't and today's yeah, yeah. guy the same industry as last week's guy yeah, yeah. Like it's everything yeah like are you a foodie or are you mm. you know are you in an academic or are you a sports fan are you you know are you are you into architecture like i just feel like Yep. It's cool to be able to draw on all these different yeah. people. Yep. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's a cool experience. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again. Thanks for having me.